0: Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast. My name is Judah, and it is uh, with great excitement that I get to reintroduce to you a collection of sermons and messages we did 10 years ago entitled, Jesus Is, and we endeavored to finish that sentence, to fill in that blank and the journey began, and it really became my life passion and life mission. It became a book and a resource that you can still pick up. Also, you can find more of these talks on our YouTube channel, and if there's any way we can serve you, please look us up on Pastor Chat, and I hope that you enjoy these messages. Hey, go with me to to the Bible as we begin our series together. Luke chapter 15, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. And um, I'm going to be actually referencing the participant's guide that has been put together graciously by Thomas Nelson, the uh, the publisher that we've worked with with the Jesus Is book. And um, here's the deal, I've literally ran out of space in my other notebook to write the sermon, so I, uh, I wrote my message in here, okay? So I'm not like... <laughs> i 'm not like reading my own book <laughs> kinda, but that would be awkward, okay but um, really our, our our passion, even behind the whole series is that uh, you utilize uh, this and the resource. To, um, in your setting, your living room, locker room, break room, uh, wherever, with, uh, you know, a coffee house with some friends and really have some conversations. And, uh, in the participants' guide, there are questions and kind of some places to fill in the blank. And here's my favorite part I'm a big devotional guy. What I mean by that is I, I love devotional books. I really do. I like them a lot. I love the writings of Max Licato and others. And uh, what we've put in here is a 40-day devotional guide as well. So there's, uh, each section has five days of reading and contemplating, meditating on Scripture. And so if you want to do like a 40-day, if, if you're not ready for a 40-day fast, neither am I. Fasting's good, but eating's better. Come on, church. That's our motto. But, uh, sorry, Dad. But, um... Well, he came up with it. What am I talking about? Um, so yeah, there's 40 days of a devotional here that you can just, do. You just can get up in the morning or late at night, real, real simple, as you know that I am, and uh, just put them together for 40 days just for you to really connect with Jesus. And I think it could really, uh, really help you. Cool? All right, Luke 15, and we'll begin reading in the first three verses of Luke chapter 15. You know, several churches around the country and some around the world are joining us in this series. Did you know that? Some are starting the series in a few months. um, And uh, we may even have uh, hundreds of churches in the future. Many are saying, hey, we're going to utilize the resource in the book to just make Jesus a big deal in our city and in some cases our nation. Isn't that cool? I think it's great. Really, really great. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. To hear him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes complain, saying, listen to their complaint. What a glorious complaint. What an awesome complaint. I hope somebody complains about this in my life. If you're going to complain about me, I hope it's like this. This man receives sinners and he even eats with them. Now, of course, in our culture today, eating with someone is not quite what it was in these days. To eat with someone was one of the more intimate uh, social settings or social expressions that one could make. To eat with someone was to communicate, you are my friend, um, we have a relationship. It was today we have fast food and such and drive throughs is totally different. But in these days, a meal was an event a meal was not fast, a meal was slow and um, there were no microwaves and so to eat with someone would be to commit in some cases an entire morning or an entire afternoon um, it was several hours to be with someone and they spotted Jesus spending hours with really bad people and they complain and they say this, this man he." Essentially, they're saying, this man hangs out. He befriends bad people. So, Jesus spoke this parable to them, saying, And from here, we are given three short stories by Jesus. These three short stories are given to us in response to the complaint made against him. In other words, these three stories exist to explain to us why a perfect, holy, sinless, Just God hangs out with bad people. Now, if there was ever an explanation needed today, if there was ever an interesting concept, uh, this would be right at the top of the list, wouldn't it? Why? If there is a God, and He is perfect, and He is just, and He is holy, why or even how? Would he befriend, love, care for, and be interested in bad people, unjust people, sinful people? And I love Jesus because his answer is not just um, static points, but he gives us three beautiful short stories. The first of which is of a shepherd. A shepherd who has a hundred sheep, but he counts them and notices that he only has ninety-nine. And he leaves the 99 and he goes after the 1. He finds it and he throws a party. The second short story, and obviously I'm summarizing, is of a woman who has 10 beautiful coins. But she counts them and notices she only has 9. And she completely overthrows her entire home looking for the 1 coin. When she finds the 1 coin, she too invites friends over and they throw a party. And the third story... Let's begin reading here in verse 11. Everybody with me? You alive? All right. Luke 15 and verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said this, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father and will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Did you notice that the father never even acknowledges the pathetic prepared speech? Completely ignores it and prepares for a party. Bring the filet mignon. That's what it is, friends. It's a baby cow. Kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to party. What a beautiful story. Now, go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll read a couple of verses. And then we will get started. Ephesians chapter 2 and starting with verse 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that, I love this part not of yourselves it is the gift of God here's another not not of yourselves and not of works just in case you didn't pick that up in the language that you are saved by grace through faith It makes it explicitly clear. It is number one, this salvation, this acceptance, this worth, this birth granted to you by God himself. is number one, not of yourself. And furthermore, number two, not of works. Lest anyone can boast or lest anyone could claim to have earned or achieved this. This is, by definition, gift. This is the essence and the basis of the belief system that Jesus propagated, that Jesus preached on this planet. The essence of our belief system is gift. Gift. Now, a gift ceases to be a gift when attempted upon reception Attempting to pay someone back. Christianity has nothing to do with us paying God back for what he's done for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is uh, part one in our series together. And like I said, I hope that you take time in the resource and the books available to Utilize it in a smaller setting, but we're going to simply title part one here Jesus is Grace. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, speak to us now in the brief moments that we have in studying this amazing book. We ask, Lord, that you would take us far beyond a book, and today we would experience the person of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. And the supersonics coming back to Seattle. Amen. of something that's such a foreign concept to me the world has always told me the opposite they've told me that worthiness is earned and nothing is free so why would anyone want to give me a free pass i have so much to be ashamed of so much i wish i could change but i can't Letting go is much easier said than done. It's too hard. I can't. I mean, I just can't do it. But I so badly want to know what would happen if I tried. Here's a question we all ask, every single one of us, whether verbally and actually or mentally and internally. What am I worth? What am I worth? Maybe, maybe you ask it in a different way. Maybe you have a different question that passes through your mind. Uh, who am I? What am, what am I about? But the essence of these thoughts... And these questions that pass through our brain or sometimes even slip through our lips is worth. What am I worth? The next question, of course, is how do you answer that question? What's the criteria? What's the checklist that goes through your mind when you attempt to answer that all-important question? What am I worth? Some of us, we look in the mirror, you know, and we go... I must be worth something. I, I like the image I see, in mean, the way that my eyes are situated and my lips are, and I mean my ears are all aligned. And I mean I look like a movie star. I must be worth something. These are thoughts, obviously I have, but. <laughs> what am I worth? What do we do? We look at status. Well, I must be worth something I have an enormous amount of friends. I don't even have space enough in my iPhone to store all the numbers of people that attempt to be around me and hang out with me. My schedule is always full. I always have someone to go to lunch with or hang out with. Um, Well I'm I'm a manager. I'm a CEO I'm an owner, well, my, my spouse is this, or my spouse is, so I must be worth something. Well, I what am I worth? I mean, I, I own three, four homes, multiple cities, exotic places, I only fly first class. What am I worth? I have an extraordinary wine collection. I, uh, well, I get to rub shoulders with politicians and the famous. And this is how some of us answer this question. Now, again, nobody is saying this typically, usually out loud in front of people. But we all answer the question and we all have our criteria. And probably the most prevalent answer is in connection with our deeds. What am I worth? Well, I must be worth something. I'm a, I'm a good person. Do good things for people. I'm generous. I, 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 I like senior citizens. I am all for old ladies getting across streets. I... I I hold the door open for people. I tip big, you know. What am I worth? I I read my Bible every year. Come on. Haven't missed church and, oh, I can't remember. What am I, what am I worth? Well, I'm a, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't hurt anybody. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I, I only do things that, 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 Ensure that I don't hurt anybody. So I'm, what am I worth? Well, I must be worth something. And all of those answers are very telling, aren't they? And very revealing. And here's what they reveal. We all believe worth is earned. Worth is earned. Just like the young lady in our story, which by the way, for the next four weeks, we will watch this young lady for a couple of minutes, the beginning of every message, and we will see the questions she asks, because the questions she asks and the thoughts that she considers are the questions and thoughts you and I have all the time. So we'll watch her and it'll help us to kind of... Bring us into the frame of mind of where we need to go in this series as a community to consider these incredibly important concepts and subjects and, and topics. Come on, let's get honest. We all believe, to a certain extent, worth is earned. You gotta, you gotta earn it. Well... You know, we read passages like Luke chapter 15 in the scripture and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those are sophisticated words which basically mean these are the religious leaders. These are the pastors. These are the priests of their day. And like you, they also saw life this way. Worth is earned. And based on that simple, logical, sane perspective... They complained about the Christ. And it seems pretty reasonable. Their point was, here we live these sanctified lives, these Pharisees and Sadducees, many of whom would have been uh, not even given to marriage because they were so dedicated to God and the Torah The first five books of the Bible, they were dedicated to the Holy Scriptures and a holy life. And I mean, these are men who prayed hours a day, who gave themselves to thorough study and, in times, total isolation from the amenities and luxuries of the the, the ancient lifestyle. They were, well, based on observation, they were, they were the good guys. They had earned their social status. They had earned the right even to look down on other people based upon the level that they were living their life at. We read scriptures, some of us who have been Christians for some time, and we somehow make the Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, we think that they're dumb. No, they're normal. These are not ignorant men. They are reasonable men. Who have the ability to think logically based on normal Human experiences. It must be true. Worth is earned. Therefore, Jesus. This makes no sense. If you claim to be God, if you claim to be, and by claiming to be God, you claim to be completely flawless. By claiming to be God, you claim to be perfect, just, righteous. Holy. They understood all the implications of claiming to be the Messiah, of claiming to be God in flesh. These religious teachers understood it, and it made absolutely zero sense. If indeed you are God, why would you befriend these people who do not deserve it? Explain that. Because based on their reading of Scripture... And their experiences in life. These people needed to work harder. You you understand who Jesus is hanging out with. These are not, um, sometimes we paint the picture that Jesus befriended, you know, single moms who had been slighted by their ex-husbands. And yes, he did. But he also hung out with people who were cheating people to make a living. He's hanging out with pimps. He's hanging out with drug lords. These are people who are hurting little kids. These are not good guys. These are not good people. He's befriending women who have made a decision to sell their body to make money. Sometimes we think, see, Jesus was friends with the lowly. Like the people that had been beaten down. And, and yes, some had, but some had beaten down themselves of their own making, of their own decisions. Let's not kid ourselves here. These are bad people and they like being bad and they like hurting others. So actually, you step back for a second and you go, I kind of get it. I kind of, I don't know, I, I shudder to think, that maybe possibly perchance I might have been siding with the religious guys who questioned Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, matter of fact, yeah. What? Why don't you hang out with us? You choose to hang out with them? Doesn't make any sense. Look, look at him. He has befriended sinners. And he has taken an inordinate amount of time to be with them and to show interest in their life. This is not a passing hello. Jesus knows these people by name and is cultivating a legitimate relationship with these bad people. And they're up in arms. As would a lot of us be. I didn't think I'd get any amens. That's okay. Amen. You know, so Jesus, in his infinite knowledge and wisdom, he wants to respond to the criticism. He wants to respond to the complaints. And boy, is his response remarkable. He starts, he starts about telling about a shepherd who has a flock. This is language that in these days would have been talking about a person who had a hundred Hondas, okay? I mean, this is very relatable in this day. A hundred sheep. They see sheep like you and I see Hondas, okay? Hopefully not Prius, but they see a lot of sheep. Jesus is talking their language. He says, there's this guy, he, um, he had a hundred sheep, but he lost one. Keep it in context now. Essentially, they're complaining, but they're kind of asking a question. Why do you hang out, befriend, love, get intricately involved with bad people? And he says, "Ah, uh, Let's see. There's this guy. He has a hundred sheep. And listen closely. He counts them. This is my paraphrase, of course. And he discovers one is lost. They lean in. So he leaves the 99. What? And goes searching for the one. And when he finds the one, he throws a party. Friends, I'm not great at math. I'm not. I'm, I'm the first to tell you that I am at the bottom of the totem pole of mathematical men in the world. Without question. But i tell you something I do understand. 99 is of much greater sum value than 1. No offense to 1, but if I had a hundo and we broke it into 1's and I misplaced 1 dollar... I would take consolation in the 99. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. i guess like, That's one. I got 99. What is Jesus telling us about God? Yeah. And he goes on. He says, and then there's this lady. She's got a coin collection. She loves coins. Um, she's got 10 beautiful coins. She counts them. She's missing one. She lost it. She's got nine left, you know. Nine's pretty close to ten. But she goes looking for the one. She doesn't just look for it, she gets crazy. Look what it says in Luke 15: it says, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house. And search carefully until she finds it. She is throwing up couch cushions. She's throwing mattresses over. She is determined. The language there, in the original language, sweep the house, means trash the place to find one coin. Nine and one. What's, what's going on here? We read scriptures, for those of us that have been Christians for quite some time, we think, man, this is, isn't this great? Yeah, ladies, if your husband thought like this and lived like this, it would drive you nuts. Or I'll reverse it. Gentlemen, if your wife had a mentality like this, it would drive you nuts. Really, babe? It's a dollar. <laughs> Sorry, I lost one of them. I do still have nine for you, sweetie. Sorry we don't have ten donuts. I ate one. You know, whatever it is, right? This, this logically and mathematically, somebody here needs to calm down. Sorry. Every once in a while, we're humans, and you're going to misplace something. Hey, hey, hey. Count your blessings. You got ninety-nine, you got nine, life happens, friend. You win some, you lose some. But the shepherd and the lady, they're they're not logical, are they? And of course, you know this isn't about a shepherd, a lady, or a father. It's about God. The shepherd is the son, the woman representing the Holy Spirit and the Father, Father God. This is Jesus' answer to the complaint, is you have to understand who I am. <laughs> this, is, um, this is the part of Christianity that uh, people don't understand. God is illogical. When it comes to people... God never, listen to me, never hedges his bets and plays it safe. Ever. Who who leaves? Hey, who's protecting the 99? You're going to risk 99 for one? You're either the worst shepherd ever, the worst businessman ever. Somebody replace this guy. There's going to be some shrapnel. There's going to be some loss. But hey, we got the majority. The percentages are still in our favor. But God doesn't think that way, does he? It doesn't think. Who, who leaves 99 for one? Who throws a house in total disarray because they've lost one of their coins in their coin collection? course we know again it's not about sheep it's not about coins it's not about sons it's about it's all about people here why do I hang out with people because they're of infinite value to me each and every one of them You, you see what he's doing right you see what Jesus is doing He's actually putting a mathematical equation in place to reveal to us how he values people. Our whole society does it, you know. How much is this? Look at the tag. $99. That's how much that is worth. So Jesus gives us a tag. Jesus gives us a number. How much is an individual worth? This is how much it's worth. It's illogical. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It makes no sense. Nobody operates this way except I do. Wow! A thinking man would say this shepherd is wasting his time. This is a waste. Because, listen to me, there is no guarantee you're going to find the one, and while you're looking for the one, you will risk the flock. While you are throwing up, there's an upheaval in your home, while you're searching for one coin, how quickly you may misplace all nine. What do you do? Do you understand that's how God works? And people who experience God's love end up living similar lives. And people will contend when they see the life they're living. What are you doing, Mother Teresa? What are you doing? Are you wasting your life in the slums of Calcutta? Have you lost your mind? Maybe. Maybe. Christianity, this God, the maker of heaven and earth, he's not like us. Why do you hang out with bad people? Well, because I'm like a shepherd with sheep. I'm like a woman with her coin collection. And I'm like a father with sons. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. The third and final parable or story told to us by Jesus is its uniquely different. It's all in the great, in the context here. But it's uniquely different in that a sheep can't talk and a coin can't talk, but a son can. And he does some talking, doesn't he? He gets in his own way, doesn't he? Which, of course, is very telling. You know, you can... It can make a case for a sheep. Now, sheep are the dumbest animals probably on planet Earth, which is ironically, ironically enough, in Scripture, we are likened to sheep. But that's another message for another time. But, you know, you, you can kind of give a sheep a benefit of the doubt, like it's not a full-fledged human. It's a beast. It has instincts. Maybe the one little sheep's smelled something. And he hears, smell, good, good. Food, food. You know, it's a beast, and he just wanders off. A coin? A coin's an inanimate object. Hey, lady, it's your fault. But the son, uh, it's a whole other story altogether. He definitely did this one to himself. Dad, I I want my college fund, retirement. I want it all now. Is that what you want, son? Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I said. Okay, moves to Amsterdam. <laughs> Poor Amsterdam. You know, someone from Amsterdam is going to watch this and be offended. Don't, don't be offended. E. I got nothing else. Just don't be offended. <laughs> but he moves to some foreign land, and well, you know the story, righty. E? If you don't, we, well, we kind of read it, didn't we? He he lives a wild lifestyle. He, He made this decision, you know. Nobody forced him. Nobody made him. He's not a beast. He's not an adamant object. He's a human being with a real soul and a will and an ability to make the right decision or the wrong decision. So now the stories have found a progression, haven't they? Now, if you're listening to Jesus tell this story, and you have lived for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years being taught the law, Ten Commandments, which by this time are now more than 200 commandments that the Jews are living by. When Jesus tells this story, you are not on the side of the prodigal son. You are not going, poor kid. You're going, somebody stop this madman. What an insult. What a disgrace to the family. Later, In the story, which we didn't read, there's another son and he has an attitude. Everyone listening would have preferred and sided with the older son. Because he was logical. The story goes on and... Jesus tells the story. He says, this man, he comes to himself in in pig slop and and he thinks to himself. And look how he thinks, because it's exactly how we think. He thought... About being an employee. In other words, he knew that his place was abdicated, no longer could go back and be who he was because he had, well, he'd given that up based on his deeds. No longer welcome in the family. So he makes a plan I'll go back and ask if dad will hire me, be my boss, not my father, but my boss, and make me an employee. Sure enough, he does that. And in his speech, of course, he uses the word that's rooted, the word worthy, that of course comes from the word worth. This boy is dealing with his identity, isn't he? He's, he's concluded, it's very clear, that he believes worth is earned. I have lost the right. I'm no longer worthy to be a part of the family. So now maybe dad will accept me as an employee. And I will earn and work for pay. Wow. Wow. Jesus is he's preaching man. Yeah. Wow. He's telling cute little stories with a smile on his face. And his nice little beard. <laughs> but he's preaching. And he says so the boy journeyed home. And um, when he was in the distance, his dad saw him. Evidently, his dad had been looking, huh? And he ran, which was completely, completely unheard of in that ancient time. And um, he grabs the boy and he starts kissing his face off. And the son, somewhere in that embrace, is trying to get his speech out. And his speech is never acknowledged. It is not even... It's as if the dad didn't even hear it. He's just so happy to have his boy back. And then, something ridiculous happens. The boy is, re, is, is rewarded. What else can you call it? It's like he's given a parade for returning home with a PhD from Harvard and honoring the family's name. Like he's coming back with an investment. A return on his father's investment and... But just the opposite. And his dad, what does he do? He, he rewards him. Throws a party for him. How about this time? These kind little Jews who are listening are thinking, I didn't see that one coming. For the sheep, whatever. The coin, it's the lady's fault. The son, hey, hey, you gave him a... Ri- whoa, whoa. You want to know? You want to know why God hangs out with bad people? You want to know? There's only one answer. You look at these three stories. There's only one answer. Because of himself. Three lost things. But the shepherd, the woman, and the father all act exactly the same. They search, they find, they recover, and they celebrate. (laughs) God is saying, you know why I'm hanging out with them? Because I am who I am. I am grace. Grace. Those Jews had to be asking, why are we throwing a party for this guy? For what? For grace. That's it. For grace. Because of God. (laughs) Worth is not earned. Salvation is not earned. It is only received. But that's where the problem is for most of humanity. We can't get past... Can't earn, only receive. No, I've I've got, it has to be earned. It has to, I can't, what are you, cause and effect, logic. There's got, no, I, what do you mean? I just, I just, come on. What? That's right. You are saved, Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8. Put that up on the screen. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, don't you claim one portion of this transformation and acceptance. It was Him, only Him, exclusively Him, and it will always be Him. This is grace. One pastor said, grace is simple, grace is God. Listen closely, God meeting man at his very point of need in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. You cannot set up a meeting with God. You can barely find your way out of the state of Washington, let alone find your way to God. Some of you live on the east side, you can't even find your way to the west side. Some of you live on the west side, you can't even find your way to the east side. If it wasn't for Google, we'd all be lost. Go ahead and set up a meeting with God. Where will you meet Him? Where will you find Him? How will you garner His attention? No, God meets with man. God comes to man. Man cannot go to God. If we could go to God, we would have went to Him a long, long time ago. But God had to come to man, and He came in the person of Jesus Christ and extended grace and extended worth and extended acceptance because of who He is. (sighs) Worth. Worth cannot be gained by the world we live in but by the image we have been created in. That is where our worth comes from. For in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image. God cannot deny himself. Don't flatter yourself. It's nothing you've done. It's not who you are. It's not because you got a great head of hair or because you got a great last name or you got money in the bank. No offense, but God is not moved by any of it. It's not because you're so charismatic. It's not because you're so good looking. It's not because you have these extraordinary gifts, talents, or abilities. Or because you can paint the Sistine Chapel. No offense. God is not impressed or moved by any of it. What he is moved by is his image. And he will not allow his image to be lost. So he will do whatever it takes. To recover his image in mankind. It does not matter to him what you've done, who you are, or where you're at. He will do the illogical, the unthinkable, and the ridiculous to get to you and reveal to you his extraordinary love. He will leave the greater sum value. He will up he will throw he will throw cushions everywhere and throw mattresses over, and he will leave the greater sum value to find one because each and every individual is of infinite value to God because you are his image bearer. Your worth. Your worth was given to you before you were born. You can't devalue what is of infinite value. You can try, but you'll always be of infinite value to Him. No matter what. This amazing. Worth is not earned, contrary to popular opinion. With the creator of heaven and earth, worth is received like everything else with God. It is not achieved. It is received. This was, um, this was a great challenge for even the closest people to Jesus. Did you know that? You'd think the 12 guys that were around Jesus who knew him the best, spent hours with him, Eating, talking, living, laughing, thinking, praying. You think they would have figured it out. But even they were stuck on worth being something that is achieved and earned. I can prove it to you. Because in Mark chapter 10, some moms and dads brought their babies to Jesus. And look what the disciples do. They rebuke the parents. They say, how dare you? Why?" Because of their worth scale. (laughs) These babies are of little worth to the Christ. Don't. Sir, ma'am, we have much bigger fish to fry. We have much bigger things to do. And they rebuked the moms and dads. And Jesus said emphatically, Let the little children come unto me. Do not forbid them. But listen to what he says. Listen, listen, listen. This is is how everything with God is accessed. This is it. It's all here. For such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, assuredly means, I mean what I say, you pay attention. This is a fact. I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, As a little child, we'll never get it. You'll never get it. And look what he does next. He took them up in his arms. (laughs) Do you know, Jesus didn't just want to take kids in his arms. He wants to take everybody in his arms. But some of us are too busy wiggling out of his arms to give our speeches and pay him back and earn his love just like the prodigal son in his arms he found himself but he wanted to clarify and communicate and express I know, I know you're hugging me but listen I'm gonna, I don't want I do. and the father just held him and ignored him and loved him Unless you become like one of these, <laughs> just, just a child, something about a child, next Christmas, you can see the whole gospel played out if you'll watch closely. If you'll receive a gift like some of your kids receive your Christmas presents, if you'll receive the gospel that way, your life will never be the same. Never. I got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a three-year-old. It, it will never happen, and it's never happened. Wow, Dad, thanks for this. I'll pay you back. They don't even think like that yet. The system hasn't got to them yet. They just think in terms of, if you're my dad, of course you're going to get me gifts, and you're going to get everything on the list. We grow up and get spiritual, and we go, "That, That's ridiculous. It's a holy God. We need to respect him. We need to honor him. We need to live these sacred holy lives. Hey, 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 kids, kids. Hey, moms, dads, let's calm down here. We're busy. Jesus is saying, are you you serious? (laughs) You better grow up. And ironically, what he meant by that is, be a kid again. You... This is exactly what I want you to be like. Yeah. And he held out his arms. And what did kids do? They ran. Yeah. And he held them in his arms. How many kids were there? And he picked up each one and held them in his arms. And he blessed them. That's what God wants to do with all of humanity. Yeah. But we're so busy. We've got time for hugs, Lord. Look, here, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my game plan. Could you just... Could you just be quiet and let me hold you? Could you just stop it? Yeah, but look, here's the deal. I'm not going to get any more divorces. Like, I'm done. I'm really going to do good this time. And I'm really going to work hard in my marriage. Would you just... Do you actually think your divorce has shook me to my core as if I didn't know... God, I promise I'm not, I know I've used again and I am I told you I'm going to get clean. I'm not an addict anymore, God. That's not who I am. I just, I promise you this time I'll make a commitment. Do you actually think what you put in your veins has trumped the blood that flows through mine? Would you stop trying to fix yourself and improve yourself? And better yourself. And let me hold you. But God. I, I want to I play my part. Your part is letting go. Your part is leaning here. Lean on me. Sink into my arms. But God, I... I'm going to try harder. Son, just let me hold you. There's no message like this on the planet, friends. You ever heard of something like this? Have you ever? There's no other belief system on the planet that preaches this. This is illogical. This is ridiculous. This makes no sense. Just come to me and let me hold you. Restore you. Heal you. Forgive you. Love you. Celebrate you. Wow. I mean, I'm I'm not just talking to seekers tonight. I'm not just talking to people that never know Jesus. I'm talking to 55 years you've been walking with Jesus, but you haven't got in his arms in a long time. It's time for you to let him hold you again. Sometimes in the beginning we will say, okay, God, you can hold me, but in a minute here, I'm going to, I, I got to You know, you, you got to let me kind of, you know, show you that I'm serious. Man, Jesus, I pray, I pray that we'll be people that understand that Christianity starts in his arms, ends in his arms, and is all about being in his arms. God i i i I got nothing I know I got it all God I wasted everything I know, but I got more sandals, I got a ring, I got stuff I will take care of you. Are you sure oh yeah how do you know God how do you know you're gonna take care of me what? I gave my son to ensure this. I let you, the human beings that I created, to rip him to shreds and nail him to a tree to ensure by his sinless perfect blood that I could accept you eternally. Please, son. Daughter, let me hold you. (laughs) could it be this good? No. It's much better than I'm making it out to be. But this is the best I could do tonight. It's the best I could do today. Jesus is grace. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you say, Judah, I uh, I want to accept this Jesus that you're talking about. <laughs> I want to know. Him. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to become a Christian. I want to follow Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed at every campus, every location right now, in this moment, if you're here and you say, Judah, that's me, please include me in a prayer. I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life, the rest of my life and experience this forgiveness. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. You know who you are. One, today's your day. Two, God loves you. Three, would you shoot up your hand all over, all over the campuses there. Just shoot up your hand and say, that's me, that's me. I want to receive this forgiveness. Come on, just say this prayer. Everybody together, from Kirkland to all the campuses, everybody together, say, Lord Jesus, here's my life. It's yours. Forever. Thank you, God. I can't earn this. But I receive it. Thank you, Jesus. From this day forward, I will walk with you. Amen.